September 8th. As we look into the New Testament today, our reading will come from the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 10, verses 1 through 18. We'll see that Satan seeks to blind minds to God's light, fortify minds against God's truth, and seduce minds from God's love. Paul gives some practical counsel for victory in spiritual warfare. Number one, be Christ-like. Boldness must be balanced with meekness, for God's power is experienced in humility. Satan is our enemy, not people held by his power. Use spiritual weapons. See, Paul may have had in mind Joshua's victory at Jericho when the walls came tumbling down because of Israel's faith. Be sure you're wearing your whole armor. Keep your eyes on the Lord. That the Corinthians accused Paul of inconsistency gave Satan opportunity to work in their lives. And accept the sphere of service God gives you. Every Christian soldier has a place to fill. If we're all following his orders, the church will win the battle. And remember to seek God's glory alone. How can we boast in victories that God alone can give? Well, Paul quoted Jeremiah 9.24 to remind us where the glory belongs. And with that, let's begin our reading today in the New Testament. September 8th, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Verses 1 through 18. Now I, Paul, plead with you. I plead with the gentleness and kindness that Christ Himself would use. Even though some of you say, I am bold in my letters, but timid in person. I hope it won't be necessary. But when I come, I may have to be very bold with those who think we act from purely human motives. We are human but we don't wage war with human plans and methods. We use God's mighty weapons, not merely worldly weapons, to knock down the devil's strongholds. With these weapons, we break down every proud argument that keeps people from knowing God. With these weapons, we conquer their rebellious ideas, and we teach them to obey Christ. And we will punish those who remained disobedient after the rest of you became loyal and obedient. The trouble with you is that you make your decisions on the basis of appearance. You must recognize that we belong to Christ just as much as those who proudly declare that they belong to Christ. I may seem to be boasting too much about the authority given to us by the Lord, but this authority is to build you up, not to tear you down. And I will not be put to shame by having my work among you destroyed. Now this is not just an attempt to frighten you by my letters. For some say, don't worry about Paul. His letters are demanding and forceful. But in person he is weak, and his speeches are really bad. The ones who say this must realize that we will be just as demanding and forceful in person as we are in our letters. Oh, don't worry. I wouldn't dare say that I am as wonderful as these other men who tell you how important they are. But they are only comparing themselves with each other and measuring themselves by themselves. What foolishness! But we will not boast of authority we do not have. Our goal 
is to stay within the boundaries of God's plan for us, and this plan includes our working there with you. We are not going too far when we claim authority over you, for we were the first to travel all the way to you with the good news of Christ. Nor do we claim credit for the work someone else has done. Instead, we hope that your faith will grow and that our work among you will be greatly enlarged. Then we will be able to go and preach the good news in other places that are far beyond you, where no one else is working. Then there will be no question about being in someone else's territory. As the scriptures say, the person who wishes to boast should boast only of what the Lord has done. When people boast about themselves, it doesn't count for much. But when the Lord commends someone, that's different. I've been asked to speak this afternoon on the subject, Why the Necessity of the Atonement? It was necessary in the first place because of who God is. And it was necessary in the second place because of who we are. The two things that we fail to understand most miserably in popular theology is the nature and character of God and the nature and character of sin. The judge of all of the earth is righteous. The judge of all of the earth is perfect in the administration of his justice. If God is holy and God is righteous and there's no if to it, since God is righteous, not only will he punish sin, he must punish sin. One sin is all it takes to send you to hell forever. Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. God doesn't grave on a curve and said, like they say in Islam, if your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds, then you get into heaven. No. One sin. You're finished. The slightest sin that we commit against God. We are setting our authority over His. We are rebelling against the transcendent majesty of the universe. We are violating the rule given by the King of the cosmos. We're so used to sinning so accustomed to sin that we rarely ever even have the barest grasp of the gravity involved by defying God. The Bible tells us that we are by nature at enmity with God. In our fallen humanity, our most formidable foe 
An enemy is God himself. And so the Bible speaks of salvation in terms of reconciliation, in terms of ending a war. The first fruit of our justification is what? That we have peace with God and access into his presence. When we come to Christ, the war's over because our mediator has reconciled us to the God who is our enemy. So in the cross, the Lord Jesus propitiates the Father and expiates our sin, removing it from us as far as the east is from the west. So that in the cross, God is both just and the justifier of his people. Psalm 52, verses 1 through 9. Doeg was an evil man who curried favor with King Saul by spying on David. And we'll read that when David learned what uh, Doeg had done, he turned to God for help. For God is the only one who can justly deal with our enemies. You know, the tongue can be a force for good or for evil. Doeg's tongue was boastful, deceitful, and destructive. Like a sharp razor... David focused on the goodness of God, not the badness of men, because he knew that God's justice would ultimately prevail. Doeg looked like a strong, luxuriant tree, but he would be rooted up, while David would be fresh and fruitful. You see, God protected David's name because David trusted God's name. More people (laughs) call their sons David Then Doeg, have you noticed? Psalm 52, verses 1 through 9. For the choir director, a psalm of David regarding the time Doeg the Edomite told Saul that Ahimelech had given refuge to David. You call yourself a hero, do you? Why boast about this crime of yours, you who have disgraced God's people? All day long you plot destruction. Your tongue cuts like a sharp razor. You're an expert at telling lies. You love evil more than good and lies more than truth. You love to say things that harm others, you liar. But God will strike you down once and for all. He will pull you from your home and drag you from the land of the living. The righteous will see it and be amazed. They will laugh and say, Look what happens to mighty warriors who do not trust in God. They trust their wealth instead and grow more and more bold in their wickedness. But I am like an olive tree thriving in the house of God. I trust in God's unfailing love forever and ever. I will praise you forever, O God, for what you have done. 
I will wait for your mercies in the presence of your people. Proverbs 22, verses 26 and 27. Do not co-sign another person's note or put up a guarantee for someone else's loan. If you can't pay it, even your bed will be snatched from under you.